Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 300, and I am your co-host, and the guy who took his fishing kayak out on the water for the first time this past weekend. And I am your co-host. And the guy who made his meatball recipe for a second time already. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So That good, huh? I think it's going to be a weekly occurrence because Audrey is a huge fan of it. So. Wow. It's That's in the awesome. rotation right now. and I'm going to post it on Instagram. I haven't done it yet. I've just been laziness on my part, so I plan to post it this week. So hopefully it'll be up there. But it's bomb. It is straight bomb. That is cool. How'd you do out of the old yak? Did you go old man in the sea on them? Well, I caught a grand total of no fish. Dang, I was hoping you'd snag a whale or something when it's dragging you around. Well, I'm going to tell you that I had a couple of fish hooked, but, I mean, literally for no longer than a matter of seconds. Mm. But it is unusual to go fishing on this lake 
and not catch something. So I've got a little bit of an adjustment period that I've got to get used to with the fishing kayak because it is much different than fishing from the platform of a boat mm-hmm. where you can, in a matter of a fraction of a second, turn around and make a cast at a fish that's jumped behind you, mm-hmm. and you can't do that in a fishing kayak. I can't do that in a fishing kayak. You probably can, but I'm too old now. My back doesn't bend the way that it used to or turn the way that it used to, so it involves me having to move the entire kayak around and get to where I can cast in that direction. And when the wind's blowing you, you know, it's a little bit more difficult. So I can definitely see the challenge Hmm. in fishing out of a fishing kayak. Is yours a, a pedal kayak? It is not. So that adds a little bit of a twist to it and, you know, makes things a little more challenging because I can cast with one hand, but paddling in more than one direction or in a straight line a little more difficult. with one hand is pretty difficult. Yeah. Mm. So. Well, yeah. once you get good, I think they have, they had the kayak fishing championship in Tennessee, I think, a few years ago. Grand prize of 100K, so... Oh, wow. I mean, that right there makes me want to go get a kayak and just hope I get lucky one day or something. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, you know, I would take 100K. For catching fish out of a kayak? Yeah, for catching fish out of a kayak. I'd even take 1K. Yeah, I would too. You know, a guy I work with does these tournaments and he wins money doing them, but his favorite thing in the world is to go fishing. So I'm like, man, that's pretty nice. You get a great day fishing worst case scenario best case scenario you get a great day fishing and win money yeah that's not bad yeah but i will get better at it i am not discouraged at all it was fun being out in the kayak that's my first time to really spend any amount of time in a kayak Mm. you know i've been in one for like five minutes ten minutes just kind of paddling around a boat dock out on one of the bigger lakes but never spent you know a couple of hours in one and so i'll be doing more of it and when we take our annual fall trip to the beach to the gulf i'll be taking it with me and maybe doing a little fishing down there out of it yeah that'll be that'll be cool i actually had a friend do that and they would paddle out there and then hook the line up behind them and then you just paddle like really fast so you're like trolling mm-hmm. with the kayak and they smoked some like red snapper and, and pretty cool fish like they were catching all kind of stuff hmm. yeah and it was just like they just launched right there off the beach <laughs> yeah it's like man I can't imagine if I'd paid for like a deep sea fishing excursion and see two guys in kayaks like wear them out. <laughs> who who have paddled sixty miles offshore? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm trying that out. He he said it was a blast because when you hook a freaking snapper on a kayak, it's probably a pretty good fight. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. Well, cool. I may have to get his number and pick his brain as to how he did that because. At this point, we're talking about, my wife and I are talking about going to the beach and spending a considerable amount of time there. So I should have some time to do that, assuming I'm still not working 14, 16-hour days. Yeah, your work slows down. You deserve some considerable time at the beach. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well needed. I'm not necessarily begging for it to slow down. Keep it coming. So 
It's all good. Well, good. Well, what we got on tap today? I guess actually first we need to do our, our countdown. Yeah. So right now we are 233 days, 9 hours, 27 minutes, and 48 seconds from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And we're 247 days, 9 hours, 13 minutes, and 23 seconds from opening day of turkey season in Tennessee. I'm telling you, you're just going to wake up one day and it's going to be turkey season. If we can get past this this lull right here, I need about 37 days and I'll be back turkey hunting this fall. So if I can get past this lull, we got fall turkey season and then duck season. And when duck season ends, it's a few short weeks to NWTF convention, and then it's on. So yeah. the end is in sight for sure. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So... Today, we have a seminar from the NWTF convention, speaking of. And the seminar that we have is How Not to Kill Turkeys by the Primos Boys, Jimmy, Will, and Troy Ruiz. And this was, well, all right. I really don't need to explain because when have Primos done anything that was not entertaining and educational those are two things they're definitely very talented in yes and so the seminar is no exception it is entertaining and it is educational and so you're going to laugh some you're probably going to learn a little bit one thing you're going to miss by listening to the audio of the seminar instead of seeing a video of the seminar mm-hmm. is that Troy, Will, and Jimmy gave examples of things that they've done in the past that have been screw-ups. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of that same approach that we're going to do throughout the off-season with some of my hunts that are that are not necessarily misses, but mistakes, screw-ups that we can learn from. And so there's some of that going on. Now there's some birds flopping in this seminar too, because you know they're showing these videos from some of their hunts that they're on and mm-hmm. explaining what not to do, what was a potential mess up or what was a mess up on this hunt. And they're still killing some birds. So, you know, you guys, because you're listening to the audio of the seminar, you are not going to get that part of it, that visual part of the of the seminar. But it was very good. It's still very entertaining, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I think so, too. Uh, always listen up with primos. They're, they're good people, and I look forward to hearing it myself. So what do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Listen in close, guys, and Cameron and I will see you on the other side. Today we have the primos team, so we have... Troy Ruiz is in the house. If you could just raise your hand so they can identify with Troy. There you go. Lake Pickle. Where's Lake at? Lake's over here. Jordan Blissett. All right. And then there's Jimmy Primos. Who is it? Did did y'all hear the way he went? Then there's Jimmy Primos. Who's that guy? Jimmy Primos and Will Primos, which we already had to break. We already had to break up an altercation out in the hallway. So I'll, I'll apologize. Vicky Humphreys and I are tight. I won't talk to her about it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So y'all, I'm Will Primos. It is it was an incredible opportunity that I didn't know was going to be. 
month of the year, the decade, the century. And opportunities come your way because of what's available to you. And technology can be one of those things. So the audio cassette was created sometime back there in the 50s or 60s or somewhere. You know, we rode around in cars with audio cassette. And so I started my little car company, and I said, man, if I could just share with people the excitement of a hunt. And I took this guy to the woods with this big old recorder with two big old reels, and he had to open up a deal and set up a mic, a parabolic mic that was real directional, and caught up a turkey and killed it. And then I taught people how to make certain calls. That was in 1983. Started the company making calls in 76, but that was in 83. So I was really lucky that we had an audio cassette and people would play it in their cars. They'd take it home and put it on their stereo system and cut the lights down and listen to the birds sing and then listen to the turkey gobble and all that. And it was it's pretty cool. But lo and behold, in 86, you could go to a Howard Brothers or a Walmart wasn't no such thing as Amazon, but you could buy a video camera and you could rent video stuff. So I said, man, wouldn't that be cool? So we started trying to video hunts. Oh my gosh, it was a real effort because, you know, it's hard to kill a turkey. Sit up against a tree and call one up. You got a cameraman moving a camera and doing stuff and trying to get all that put together. 87... I hired Ronnie Cuz Strickland from Natchez, Mississippi. And I said, Cuz, I'm in the restaurant business. I'm trying to grow this game call business. So you just need to do everything you can. Take, even, I mean, even if you have to, take Jimmy hunting. Anybody you can. And record the hunts and see what you get. After the season, we had, I think it was eight incredible hunts that we thought were incredible at the time. And we sat down and we said, well, what are we going to do? We've got to learn to edit this. We've got to figure that out. We hired a company. What are we going to call it? Because says, I don't know, but it's the truth. I said, that's it. <laughs> that's how the name came about. And then when we got ready to do the next tape, somebody said, well, we got to think of a name. I said, I got it. And they said, what? I said, the truth, too. I said, man, you can't do that. I need a new name. I said, no, we're going to call it the truth, too. And we did all that. But you think about the opportunity of when I started the call company and Jimmy coming in on board and helping run everything and make it work and hiring cuz and video cameras and starting the Truth video series that morphed into the, the, the Primo's Truth About Hunting TV show. So thank the Lord, seriously, for all that technology that made it possible for us to share with y'all what we love so much. And that is God's great outdoors. I'm telling you, Troy is worked for Primo's for a long time. He worked for Mossy Oak for a long time. He's been around a long time. Work, worked for Preston Pittman. Worked for Preston a short Pittman. time. Okay. Years ago, this would be back in the 80s, this guy wrote me a letter and said, I'm killing alligators with your turkey call. <laughs> he was a coon ass from down on the big up coast of Louisiana somewhere. He said, I'm driving to see you. And one day somebody come in the office and said, this guy's a guy here from Louisiana wants to talk to you. Says he kills alligators with a call. Yeah, he wrote me a letter. He was taking a limb hanger turkey call and getting close to an alligator's nest and making that call sound like little baby alligators. And here come mama. And he'd shoot mama. 
And that's how he killed them big old alligators. And lo and behold, finally, Troy came to Primo's and been there, and he kind of heads up a lot of the edit work along with Slade Reeves. But the main cameramen are Lake Pickle and Jordan Blissett. We are so glad to have them. We've had many great guys over the years, but they are carrying the torch now, and they would, need, they would have so much more footage to share with y'all if it wasn't for having to take Jimmy hunting. <laughs> Jimmy will be asleep. And Jordan's up there videoing away above him, looking down at him. Jimmy be asleep. And all of a sudden, Jimmy wakes up and decides he wants a honey bun. Well, Jordan's videoing deer. You know, they're all they're, they're coming. You know, they're all you know they're all out there. And Jimmy opens up his honey bun. And all of a sudden, the flags go over there. And Jordan says, "Jimmy, what are you doing running the deer? I didn't do anything." Can y'all see? Y'all watch the show. You'll see. It's, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Does it all the time. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for not killing me those days when you wanted to, okay? <laughs> when I was little, growing up, Jimmy's five years older than me. I'm, 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 I'll be 68 in two weeks. Jimmy's be 72 in... in 73 and, two, and, and about 43. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, back, back when we were growing up, smell like young boy. <laughs> Jimmy, we lived, we lived on the same little 52 acres. Uh, he lived a quarter mile down the road with his mom and daddy, and I lived with my mom and daddy, and he was my hero. He taught me, I killed my first blackbird with Jimmy, five years old. I was so proud of that blackbird. He made me cook it, roast it outside, and eat it. I thought it was great. I didn't know any better. <laughs> but back then, we had rabbit ears. They had two TV stations. And at 12 o'clock, they went off. And they played war movies until they came back on the next morning with the weather and the news. So I get to go spend a night with Jimmy. I'd be over there laying up my little twin bed, Jimmy over here, and I'd fall asleep. Jimmy would wake me up when it got to be 12 o'clock. But during that time, Jimmy would say, Will, Will. And I'd look up and look up. And he's got a 22 butt line, Magnum, 22 Magnum butt line pistol. And he had the cylinder open. And he put a bullet in there. And he'd spit it and close it. And I'd go under the covers. And I'd come out, and he's pointing at me. And, it, and, and, it, and I'd come out of the cover, and he'd point at me, and he'd go, click, he'd go, dang it. And not until about five years ago did he tell me that he actually took the bullet out when I went back under the cover. So there was no bullets in there. Some, sometimes. Now, I don't advise any. I don't advise anybody doing anything like that, but he's been torturing me my whole life. And my mother, 93-year-old mother, still bakes him a cake for his birthday, and she loves him. My mother does not understand. She does not know what I know, okay? But I'm going to turn it over to you, Jimmy, and hopefully you have nothing to say. <laughs> 
Thank you. You've said it all, Will. Will, you want to start the seminar with teaching? His, his mama loves you because you didn't kill him. His mother was happy to see a normal child. She always said, you know, She Will, did say he was special, didn't she? No, she said, he's different. He's different. He is different. So, here's what we're going to talk about. So, they, they come to us this year uh, and wanted us to do seminars again. And our question was, what do you want to do? Want you? Ah, Jimmy, back up. Back up. And w- one of the seminars they were asking us to do was how to kill more turkeys. They wanted us to talk to you guys, gals, and boys and girls on how to kill more turkeys. I said, well, that ain't going to last long. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, that's easy. You just hunt where there's more turkeys. Get your big corn pile. And that's how you kill more turkeys. Right, Jimmy? So, yeah. So I got to thinking, me, Jordan Lake, sitting in the edit room. I said, man, we need to do something different. You know, last year we did, we had a calling contest in and we had a good time. It was fun. And main thing is, is keeping what we do in here fun. Because I don't feel like any of us or any better, better turkey hunters than anybody in here. I know we... Huh? Jimmy does. He thinks he's better than everybody. Well, well, but, but you see, I, I was getting to that point. When I got to Jimmy, because as you heard, I just said, me, Lake, and Jordan were in the edit room talking. Jimmy wasn't in there. So we came up with the title of this seminar was The Mistakes We Turkey Hunters Make. And Jimmy comes in. He says, hey, we're doing a seminar this year? I said, yeah. He says, what's it on? I said, we're going to talk about the mistakes we turkey hunters make. And he's walking out my door. And I said, where are you going? He says, I don't need to do that seminar. You have any footage on me? <laughs> oh, we got footage on you. We got lots of it. Some of it nobody's ever seen, and some of it we're still holding for ransom. <laughs> so that's what we decided to do, to keep it fun. We're not perfect. We just get to go a lot, and, and we get to see a lot, and we learn a lot and understand a lot, and through our mistakes over the years, we've learned a lot, and, and we hope, and that's what the truth is all about. It's, it's our, our opportunity to be able to share with you what we're so passionate about, which is turkey hunting. We do it all, but turkey hunting is what got us all to this dance. And, and through the NWTF and what they do and through conservation and everybody's efforts and volunteers to be able to give us turkeys to hunt all over this continent of the United States is absolutely incredible. And growing up a little young boy, chasing them in Alabama, where I'm from in Louisiana, we don't have turkeys. So I had to go somewhere to go turkey hunting. And now that we got them to hunt, it's, it's, you, we can thank y'all and, and us because we've all done it together. And we want to keep it that way. So we want to talk about some of the mistakes. But first, we're going to just share a little something that will get everybody fired up real quick. And then we'll get into the seminar. Jimmy, you didn't make no mistakes, so you can sit down. If you love the turkey, the Lord ever blesses you with the opportunity to go and to be a part of it and to understand it. There's a world out there of guys who understand. They may not have lights a little bit. They may not ever see that. Are you that? Yeah, oh, right now. Hold on, God. Hold on. Just what we're doing. Loving the life of a passionate turkey hunter. Gosh, I do love it. Gosh, I do love it.
I'm, I'm sitting down low. I got my knees up. The grass is tall. Jordan has got the camera. It, it's a lot higher than my eyes, and he can see better. And so I finally, the turkey's in range. I got a great shot. I can see his head is in that grass, but I've got a good window to his head and neck, about that much of his neck. And I said, Jordan, you got it? No. <sighs> so you got to wait. And turkey goes off. I shut up. Jordan helped him back up. And finally he says, okay, now. And I can't see but pieces of the turkey's head through the grass. But I think all that grass took my shot out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, grass is tough. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it sounds like an excuse. So I'm going to let Jordan tell you what he thinks is the truth. Just a flat miss. Oh, crud. <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, that's just to get us going. So here's my first question that I came up with for us turkey hunters that make mistakes. In all reality, what's one of the biggest mistakes we all make as a turkey hunter? Lift Think, our head up. Sir? Lift our head up. Lift our head up off the gun, missing-wise. To miss a turkey. To miss it, sure, absolutely. We get caught up in the moment. We're watching the whole thing unfold in front of us. We're intrigued because it's like, gosh, this is just like them videos. I watch them guys on TV do this, and this is awesome. And before you know it, you shoot smooth over them three times, and you have no idea why. And we all say the same thing just like Wilbur did. We turn around if there's somebody with us and go, what happened? Well, hello, you missed. That's what happened. Usually picking your head up off the gun. But here's my question on this one. What are we all guilty of? As a turkey hunter, that can cause us to truly jack up a hunt. Not being patient enough. Not being patient enough. But what about trying to get too close to a turkey? And what is the true good? What do you do? He gets too close to it. <laughs> well, hold on now. <laughs> I mean, I know I didn't get that out of my mouth, and she was. Back. <laughs> I took her on and I got almost, I tried to get her at that door to it. <laughs> and then what happened? They shut up. They shut up. And when they shut up, it's over. And who did they see? Him or you? Probably him because he was out front because I'm always behind trying to catch up. <laughs> so so when, do y'all fish together? <laughs> who fishes in the back of the boat? You do? Yeah. You, need to, you need to change. It sounds like those two scenarios for you need to change. <laughs> Put him in the back of the boat, you stay in the front, and you just pay attention, son, and that's all you got to tell him. But we all tend to do that. We all tend to get too close. We think getting close to a turkey, don't you, Will, is a sure shot. I roosted him the night before. I found my spot. I know where I need to be, and you get in there right at daylight, and what happens? Flies down and goes the other way. Basically, you're not giving him his room, in my mind. But when you get... When the turkey's gobbling, you try to get really close to him. And then he, he finally flies down. You're not supposed to say anything if you're close to him and he's on a limb because he's looking down and knows you're on the ground. It's pitch black dark. What are you doing making a tree up? What's that hen doing down that tree up and on the ground? They don't think like humans, but they're instinctive. So I think when you try to get too close, the gobbler thinks, well, come on. I mean, what happens in nature? They walk under the tree and the gobbler flies down to them. So a lot of times, I like to be 150, 250 yards back, and sometimes that feels like a long way away. But I find a lot of times that will make him come 
when he wouldn't have come if I'd have gotten too close. And that's, is that the point? That, that's my point. I, I think my point saying, give the turkey room. How many of y'all kill turkeys right off the limb in the morning? I kill them off the limb in the morning. You, yeah, you shot them off the limb. I've seen that. <laughs> we can't show that footage. <laughs> you never have been able to get it. It's always too well, dark. That's, that's my excuse right there. Wilbur says, "Can you, you got enough light? I said, no, good. Boom. <laughs> How many have been successful with getting on right at daylight and they fly down, their feet hit the ground, and within 30 seconds they did? Anybody? You look at the hands that held up about misses, and then you look at the hands that's been held up about killing them right off the limb. Most of the turkeys, honestly, are killed between 10 and 2. I think, I know for me it is, and for us and what we do, yes, we do have to wait for more camber light, and we tend to back off a lot more, and that has allowed us to be a lot more successful in what we're doing, to be able to back away from them. And let them do their turkey thing for a little while, because they already know where they want to go. How many of y'all understand and know why a rooster crows in the morning on the farm? Nobody. Nobody's got roosters. I figured you would. Tell me. See? What did he say? He said to let the chickens know where he's at. Why does a wild Amen. Why does a wild turkey gobble in the morning in the springtime? Let the hens know where let the hens know where he's at. So as a hunter, what are we trying to do? We're trying to tell God he didn't get it right. We're trying, to, we're trying to reverse nature. So we already got an X across our back. But I'm going to show you what Jordan does and Jimmy does when we get too close to a turkey. As the sun creeps up towards the horizon, we spot several gobblers in the trees just out in front of us. And lots of ladies, too. I see several gobblers in the trees. I hear two or three hens. Just kidding, it's not. 
Cedars. I thought you said feeders.
our attention span as to what we're doing. Let's watch what happens when you do have patience, but you don't pay attention. And is there truly such a thing? As soon as he tried to go for the guns, when the turkey said, "Nah, we'll just you know." And 
And as you know, doing what we do, you know, just if, if you're gonna if you're gonna split shoot one or jump up and kill, if you're just hunting, it's fine. But you gotta remember we're trying to do video and make it look good and all that stuff. And when one sneaks up on you like that, you're pretty much done unless you get lucky and late recording and then we get to show it at a seminar like this and everybody goes, God, what a yo-yo. <laughs> Plus, I mean with a with a op shot opportunity like that, I mean you always run risk the chance of hitting one bad and getting away and we don't wanna do that, you know. Yeah. So more of the story, have your gun up. Which it was my fault too. I was the one I brought up the subject of pan frying biscuits, so I, I led him into the distraction. <laughs> Yeah, but you, when you were doing your job, you did record the whole scenario. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Which was perfect. You have any input on that? What did I do wrong? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Anybody got any questions so far? Because we're going to let Jimmy walk around and get some of the questions for y'all. Look, again, this is for fun. We're not here to really say that we got the next greatest call, the next greatest this, the next greatest that. It's to have a good time, and that's what we want to do. We want to have fun. Anybody got any questions? None. How many cameras on every hunt? Maybe one, maybe five? Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three. Depends on the situation. What was the question? How many cameras on any given hunt? Um, let me go lower that a little bit. It, it depends on where we're at and what we're doing. We try to keep everything to where it's at least two guys hunting together. Depending on where we're traveling at and who's going where. Makes it more fun, keeps it more interesting, um, and you can pick at each other. And then you got people, you know, you got two guys, whether it's Jimmy and me or Jimmy and Lake or me and Will, you feed off of each other. It makes it more interesting and more fun. And then if somebody misses, it makes it even more fun. Or you make a bad mistake, it makes it even double fun. We bring Jimmy because we know we're going to. Jimmy spends more time on his phone, depending on what part of the country we're hunting in, with the apps where he can find where we're going to eat lunch. Angry Birds is good. Angry Birds. Jimmy plays Angry Birds. He's trying to conquer that, but as y'all know, Angry Birds went out in the 60s. They, they won't ever let me run a camera, and I'm real good at it. I let him run a camera one time. We were mule deer hunting out west, him and I. And this mule deer walks out at 116 yards when he first steps out. And Jimmy's sitting behind me videoing and he zooms in on mule deer to try to get a good tight shot. Well, what he did is he didn't loosen the tripod head, the fluid head, and every time he'd zoom in, he'd zoom right past oh, the, the mule deer. And, he, and I kept, I'm whispering to him, you got him? No, I can't see him. I'm like, he's right there. It's an alfalfa field. He's right there, 115 yards. And I could hear him, he zoomed back out. Yeah, I got him. You ready? No, don't shoot him yet. He'd zoom back in. I can't see him. He'd zoom back out. I got him. This is the God's honest truth. That deer, when he first walked out, was 116 yards. When Jimmy finally got him on camera and I could shoot him, it was 323. <laughs> Ain't that right, Jimbo? Yeah, but you got it. Let's talk about practice. Again, we live in a fast-paced world. It's crazy. We don't stop. We feel like we don't have enough time. And how many of us truly practice, whether it's more of us spend more time practicing our turkey calls, but practicing starts with scouting in my mind. Don't y'all agree? One of the things I think a lot of people don't pay attention to is, is, is knowing the critter that you're after and understanding the wild turkey. But when we say practice, we mean everything. 
Practice your calls. Practice with your gun. Know your gun because in today's world we've got an array of ammunition and different choke tubes and different things. But practice and know your gun and be familiar with everything that you got and feel confident. There's nothing like getting out of the truck, going turkey hunting, and being confident with every piece of equipment that you have. And on top of practicing, you just practice some more. And make sure the buddy that you hunt with has at least three shells in his gun as well.
that go on for about eight or ten minutes, and it made him so mad he got up, picked his chair up, and left. <laughs> and I can't tell y'all what he said, but he picked his stuff up and left. <laughs> he was mad in the old wet hen. Locator calls. The last thing you want to do is let them know you another turkey right off the bat. That's just me, especially if you're doing some running gun. Try to get them with a crow call. Try to get them with an owl call. Try to get them with a goose call. Whatever works in your area. I've seen Wilbur try to run one down with an elk bugle one time in Colorado. Turkey was going up a ridge running, and Wilbur was running behind him, bugling at him, making him gobble. And Wilbur says, he's running. I said, that's because you're chasing him. He's got an 800-pound elk coming after him. He's getting the heck out of here. And, we, and it's funny because Wilbur left and we hunted that turkey, me, Lake, and the landowner that owns the place where we elk hunt, and we hunted that turkey for two more days and he was the most gobblingest, loudmouth turkey and he would never shut up, but he wouldn't come and we nicknamed him Wilbur. <laughs> God's honest truth. Well, here's what happens when you get in the woods and you start using hen sounds to get turkey's attention. Unless you're an adrenaline junkie, do it. As we set up, this turkey is gobbling every few minutes. I get on a tree directly behind Brad when we hear a second gobbler sound off. Our setup may be a screw-up with where these turkeys are.
understand it. I don't want to. Okay. Uh, this too. Oh, look at that spur. That spur's been broke off and drawn back. Yep, got a curve in it. That's a home turkey there. My house ain't a mile from me. <laughs> I'll be done. Again, we turkey hunters have a lot of them. But in my opinion, what you what you didn't see was the first three minutes of that, that clip where Wilbur was standing out in the road and Brad was standing out in the road and, and Jordan was on that hunt. He should be telling it, but they were making that turkey gobble trying to figure out exactly where he was and what's the possibilities of where he was going to go. And then another one started gobbling. So lo and behold, they standing there yelping like turkeys and the turkeys are really coming when really... You should have been sitting there trying to make them gobble with a crow call or an owl call. They maybe not have gobbled at that. I don't know. I was not there. You tell me. But what happened was, is those turkeys heard each other gobbling. They didn't want to be together, so one tried to come one way, and the other one came the other way. And then you got turkeys coming from all directions, and neither one of them were ready. So don't don't lo try not to locate with hen with hen calls. You, you use those locator calls. It's amazing. I, I love a crow call. That's just me. Lake and Jordan and Jimmy will tell you, I, I'll walk around with a crow call and use it until I blow on purple and blue in the face. I, I love using them crow calls. Any questions? Anybody? Come on now. We in church. My biggest question is, when you hear that turkey come in, what makes you set up on that tree or that tree? Repeat the question. <clears throat> Go ahead. I'm listening. When, when no, you, no, I'm, I'm going to let him ask it again. When, when you hear that bird, what makes you set up on that tree or that tree mm -hmm. to get the best advantage of it? For us, it's all about video. Repeat the question. I will. His question was, when a turkey gobbles or answers you, or you make him gobble, whether it's at daylight or mid-morning or weather, what tree, why, do you, and why and how do you decide what tree you're going to set up on? Well, most of us, it's cover. We try to find something that's going to cover us, break us out, break our outline, and give us the best advantage over that turkey. Because we got to remember, turkeys live there 365 days a year. If you make a turkey answer you, he knows exactly where you're sitting. Actually, the, the camera guy gets the best spot because he's that's what we're there for. So we let him pick his spot, and then we pick the hunter. Well, in all honesty, they say let the cameraman pick a spot, and then we pick a spot. They look at us and go, that's not going to work. And then we move somewhere else. So it takes us about 10 minutes before we all set up. Jokingly, but that is true. For us, it's hard to pick that spot because we're looking for the best spot to get the video for y'all. But if I'm just turkey hunting on my own, I'm setting up where I can hide the best. Me personally, this is just me, and I'm glad you asked that question. I love sitting behind a tree. I don't do it a lot on video because it, it, for us, the way we video, it works better. But if I could get in front of Jordan or I get in front of Lake and they're videoing and I can get 10 yards in front of them, I get behind the tree and I just stick my barrel out around the tree. That turkey never sees nothing but the end of that barrel. And it gives me an opportunity. I'm left-handed so I can lean all the way out and shoot this way and I can come back this way and shoot this way. So I got a barrier between me and that turkey, depending on the size of the tree. If there's no big trees, I'm getting behind it. If I got a big, heavy tree with a lot of cover, I'm getting right in front of it, especially in, in this part of the country. If any of y'all are here from Tennessee, you know, early turkey season, y'all's woods are absolutely wide open. I don't know how y'all hide from anything. I really don't. Go ahead. When you use uh, Ronnie Cousins' tube call, I love that call, but it sounds like it's more of a daytime when nothing's happening it's nothing's one of those calls there, there. there are people he was wanting to know about a mouth call or two call 
The thing about a two call is it's one of those calls that's kind of like a trumpet call or a, or a wing bone call. It takes practice. It takes understanding. There are some people, Will's really good at it. Uh, Cuz is extremely good at it. But Cuz uses his as a locator call. And Cuz uses it. I've seen him use it in Texas and blow that thing so hard on a windy day that it split his lip. <laughs> but he will make a turkey gobble in Chattanooga from here with him. That's, that's the truth. I mean, it is, it's the loudest thing you've ever heard. And it doesn't even sound like a turkey. But I, I can imagine at three, four, five, six hundred yards when a turkey does hear that, they don't hear it that loud, but they hear it as a hen. And Cuz uses it for that. But there are some people that, that live by them, and they can cluck and purr, they can gobble on it, they can make every sound on a tube call. That, and their confidence is in that call. Um, I use it just as a, I'm more of a mouth call guy, but I use it as a secondary for me. If nothing's working, let's try it, see if it works. It's an incredible sound. I mean, it's, it's one of the cleanest sounds about like a good trumpet call. You find a really good trumpet call that you know how to use, some of the prettiest yelping you ever want to hear. Cuz can make a gobble with that tube call when you can't get anything else out of it. So. And, and the way he does it, he won't sit there and yelp and cut and cackle. He just <laughs> real fast, three or four big hard cuts, and he stops. And then he goes to that turkey. He won't do it again until he gets close enough. And then he sits down and sets up on the turkey. Any questions on, on setting up on them and, and hand sounds and trying to get caught off guard? Because we all get caught off guard. They get us, they, they, they so smart they don't. But I really don't think they're smart. I think they're just scared to death. Wilbur and I agreed on that. All right, let's, let's, let's close this thing up. Here's one more, and then we're going to get one more and we're done. Never start calling until you're 100% ready. How many of y'all have ever done that? Standing there, you're like, oh, he just gobbled. Oh, he just gobbled. Let me see what he does. And 35 seconds later, he's standing there looking at you. What if there's one between you and him? Because usually the one that caught you off guard is the one that didn't say a word. He's just coming in silent to beat his other buddy from coming in there. Especially in Florida. How many of y'all hunt Florida, especially South Florida and sandy country? It's amazing how them, that sand and those palmettas will cut their, 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 their distance and the sound in half. I've always said in Florida, if you hear a turkey gobble, you better sit down. He's coming. Let your buddy know this too.
that away. <laughs> How far did y'all have those decoys set up? 15. 15, 20 yards. That's fine. How'd you like that? Even when they cut loose. They just, they just so pretty. Good gracious, they're beautiful. I'm going to say, one spur is bigger than another one. This looks like it's been broke off. I don't know. You see? Yes, sir. Two, three, I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, how old is he going in? He sure is. Look at that thick old beard on him. I decided to shoot the strutter. I was on both of them. Huh? I was on either one. With the turkey. 
all wadded up. Troy and Brad never got a clear shot. So we just wait for the bottom, and we will know exactly where to be in the morning. That's when something a little out of the ordinary happens.
we got plenty of recipes. All of us love to cook, and we love. You can tell we love to eat. So come, come see us, and we'll tell you something. Yes, sir. Does power line turkey go against your bag loop? In Mexico, it does not. They have. Uh, it's amazing at the the amount of tags that they can get and what they have. Because I asked him that. I said, if we need to tag that bird, go ahead. He says, no, we got enough tags here. I'm going to imagine in the States if that was to happen, it would be kind of like catching somebody, and this happened to me in Tennessee several years ago, working at Mossy Oak. We had a guy come in on us and kill a turkey on our place, and we made sure that that guy tagged that turkey in and had him prosecuted. It's kind of like a deer, I would imagine. If you find a dead turkey or you see that happen, you call the game warden, tell them what happened, they'll come look at it. Like that bird right there, you could look at him and tell he wasn't shot. I would say they would probably put a tag on it so they don't have to fool with it because i got game wardens that are my best friends. They don't want to have to deal with it. If you don't want it, they'll take it to a food bank or they'll just give it to you and say, just make it happen. The other thing was with that turkey is when we were walking to that spot, we were walking down that power line and we saw two other dead turkeys. Yeah. We couldn't figure out what killed them. That power line had has been. That power line was there about three, three or four years. Jerry bought that ranch and put in a a pump down at the at the river to be able to irrigate water to a food plot that he had for his deer with a pivot there. And that power line was running to that pump. So you would think that the turkeys would get used to it, but it, it don't look like it because there was a couple of dead turkeys laying underneath it. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're done. No more questions. Thank you all so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Those are some of my favorite guys in the industry. You know, I think for me, when I think of turkey hunting and really good turkey hunters, I think of Will Primos. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that when I was getting into turkey hunting when I was in college, you know, in between studying at the library and going to church and praying, I had a little bit of time on my hands and I would watch the truth videos on VHS. And as bad, as bad as some of the video was on those hunts, it was educational for me because they just were different than today's videos. They were real turkey hunts. Yeah. Instead of just seeing somebody sit down, run a slate call for four series of yelps, see a turkey step into the viewfinder, strut around for the decoys for three minutes, and then somebody shoot it. Yeah, that's true. And we get so much of that today, but back then, it was the truth. It, yeah. it was turkey hunting, and that was Will's premise behind those videos was, you know, they wanted to show everyone what turkey hunting really was. What is the truth behind turkey hunting? And so that's that's what we got in those videos. And, you know, I watched, I don't know, four or five of those videos while I was in college. I can't remember when they came out with the first one, but me and my buddies would sit around and drink beer after class and watch two or three of the truth series and you know that was that's what i wanted to be that's the kind of turkey hunter i wanted to be when i was just cutting my teeth on the sport you know was i wanted to be that will primos type of turkey hunter where in those videos every time they went out they killed a turkey (laughs) so you know that's the way it was in real life yeah i'm sure Uh uh-huh exactly just like it is well, they, today. Watching their videos, I mean, they're they have a lot of fun with it. 
And I like seeing that. They're not super, you know, like their only goal in life is to kill the turkey and stuff. I mean, they're having, you can tell they're having a genuinely good time out chasing them. No, oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I definitely can relate to uh, how not to kill turkeys, it seems. But I, I know how not to kill them from past experiences. And I'll learn more ways of how not to kill them. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a very relatable topic. <laughs> Everyone has their list of ways they know not to kill them. Exactly. <laughs> I've got a long list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I enjoyed that. You know, that's that was fun. And it's always good to see Will and Jimmy and. You know, you just really can't find two nicer guys that are happy to stand around and talk turkey with you. Mm -hmm. And heck, it's harder to find somebody even half as interesting as Will Primos because I don't believe there is a topic that he cannot carry on a conversation about. That dude is so well read on so much stuff that it blows my mind every time I talk to him. So... He's a pretty smart guy. He's worth listening to. Yes. So, anyway, I enjoyed it. I hope all of you guys listening to the show enjoyed that as well. And next week, let's do a hunt. All this talk about hunts. It's and about time videos. for us to hit another one, don't you think? Yeah. Let's do one, man. I'm jonesing. Jonesing for a hunt. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go. So, best case we can do right now is listen to one, I guess. All right, let's do that next week. And do you have a favor of the week for us for this week? My favor of the week this week is send us a request for a topic you might want to hear. Mm. I'm always interested to know what our audience wants to hear. We're in the dog days of summer. What are you thinking about with turkeys right now? What's a, what's a topic you'd like to hear on the show relatively soon we've reached we've had a few inquiries online already so we know of a few but reach out and tell us a topic you'd like to hear you can do that over facebook instagram or twitter it doesn't matter or figure out some other way to get hold of us we'd like to hear what your thoughts are on something you might find interesting because most likely if you want to hear it there's others thinking the same thing so that's the favor of the week i like that favor yeah good job man thanks (laughs) (laughs) all right Well, then let's stick a fork in this one and get on with another week. And that'll just put us a week closer to opening day of spring turkey season. It's rapidly approaching and I cannot wait. Mm -hmm. All right. So then I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.